Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're back. So, guys, listen, we're going to talk about one of those topics that Julie and I catch a lot of arrows over. We are not, not, not proponents of teams. What? How dare you say that, Tim? How dare you say you're not proponents of teams? Everybody tells me that the teams are the future of real estate. Everyone's telling us that teams are the – if you're not part of a team or forming a team, you're somehow some sort of real estate outcast. Well, I'm here to tell you that most teams for most agents are – absolutely the wrong business path to follow and we're going to explain to you why but i'll give you a little preamble as to why they don't make any profit or not enough profit um, to really justify even considering pursuing that as a business model we're going to give you the top 10 reasons why teams fail and then what i want you to do from now on anytime you hear so anytime you hear anybody talking about teams i want you to reference back to this material so that you guys will then have a counterbalance to all the mountains of Mickey Mouse that's out there about why you should form a team. There's so much I'm holding myself back from saying right now, but I'm going to wait until we get to Julie's points. And Julie, welcome to today's show. Yes, thank you. It's always great to be here. I've got a couple of quick, well, actually one major uh, Facebook shout out whenever you're ready. Go ahead. Of course. All righty. Perfect. So this is from Dave Snowberger, who writes, this is on the private Facebook page for our coaching clients. The fortune is in the follow-up. Just inked a $1.64 million ranch, which was a for sale by owner. This is a gentleman's ranch, small longhorn operation right in our neck of the woods here, just outside of Austin, Texas. He said he's been chasing this lead since November of last year. Furiously fast lead follow-up does indeed work. Nice score, Dave Snowberger. Now all you've got to do is sell it. So just wanted to prove that, uh, yes, what we teach you about furiously fast follow-up, which in most cases is more follow-up more frequently than most of you do, does pay off. And I'd like to just not, you know, say that on the podcast. I like to give examples like what he just posted. So back to you, Tim. Well, so why do teams fail? And we're going to write down, we've given you 10 points. These are 10 to the direct, to, to the point points. Um, I'm going to, so team leaders that you're listening right now, I'm going to give you guys permission to, and I know that sounds kind of cocky the way I just said it, so I apologize if I offended anybody, but I really do want to give you permission to really try to look at your decision to start a team with open eyes. And here's what you're probably experiencing 90% of the time. Um, You're experiencing blindness to the fact that you're not making any profit or any uh, enough profit. I know for a fact, this is not theory, that most teams are making less profit by far than um, they even realize. And you rationalize, well, we're writing off a lot of personal business expenses on the business side. In other words, you're sort of like braggadocious that you're cheating the IRS. No, you're not. You can't get away with that much. You might be able to fudge a little bit here and there. But the reality of it is when you do your taxes every year and your accountant tells you how much you made net, that's the real number you made net. 
Stop fooling yourself or stop believing that somehow, oh, yes, hold on, Tim. I went to Hawaii, and we had a, a, you know, a, an office meeting there, and, but I snuck in three days. It wasn't work. Okay, well, big deal. Not in any significant way have you guys figured out any crafty way to, make the, to fudge the numbers. The reality of it is, here's some facts, okay? The reality of it is, is most real estate brokerages, before expenses, make less than 5%. Most of them make about 3%. And most teams make less than 10%, right around 8% profit. Okay, I want you guys to think about that for a second. So when you're running a team, and this is really kind of the, this is the, when you look at it this way, when you look at the real realities of the numbers, it is impossible to be a proponent, in other words, argue for teams. And again, we haven't even got to our 10 points yet. We have coached bazillions of people who have had teams who have wanted to downsize out of their team because they're not making profit. I did a superstar interview um, a couple weeks ago, actually, and the guy said he, he, was the, he had the number one – this is hilarious. He had the number one team. It was a great interview. You guys should listen to it. Number one team in San Diego – did the most volume, the most transactions, the whole thing. And he said forming a team was the worst decision he ever made, and he's basically downsizing his team. He's going back to two or three assistants, and he's focusing all of his best energies on listings. If you've been listening to our podcast the past couple of years, you pretty much know that's what we've been saying forever, right? That is the business model that you should be following. When you listen to the other uh, interviews that we've done of the people, the agents who are actually making to themselves profit of millions of, millions of dollars per year, they might use the word team, but then when you drill down, it's not the team model that's being sold to so many of you nowadays where you have an army of buyer agents where you have to feed the buyer agents and the rest of it. These are people that basically are a single agent, and they usually have two or three, and this is at their peak, assistants. They don't even refer to them as teams. And by the way, those of you who are meandering into the upper end or have upper end now, the word team is not something an upper end seller wants to hear. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of advanced information. This might bother some of you, again, those of you who have teams. The reason that so many people are pushing teams on agents, forming teams and you know, b building teams and doing expansion teams, is because they have a financial incentive to tell you to do that. The brokers, the, the crappiest job in a brokerage is recruiting agents. By crappiest, I mean it is by far the hardest agent, hardest job in a brokerage is recruiting agents. You guys think going after listings, expires, and FISBOS' work? It is nothing compared to the work that a broker or an office manager or a team leader in Keller Williams, uh, you know, they have the hardest job by far, for sure, okay? So what they have done and what many of these guys that talk about teams have done is they have figured out, well, you know what? If we convince Bob and Betty agent to form a team, then what we do is we get them to go out there and do the crappiest job for us because they're going to be out there trying to build their team indirectly or really directly recruiting agents for our office. Thus, our agent count goes up in our brokerage. Our agent count grows, goes up in our brand um, because we basically have essentially delegated the hardest job to these other agents to form teams and put pressure on them, told them they're fools if they don't have a team, told them they're fools if they don't, uh, aren't part of a team, told them they're fools if they aren't building a team, told them they're fools if they have a team if they're not doing an expansion team. That's the level of pressure that some of you, not all of you, but some of you guys are feeling in your brokerage environment. That is not where you're going to make your profit. 
that is something that is convoluted that is not in the best interest of the agent. If you guys think, let's talk about the whole delegation aspect. If you think it's less work to own a team, listen to the interviews we've done if you don't believe what I'm telling you. It's not less work. It's more work. It's just different kind of work. And I'll tell you it's, it's worse work than actually working directly with sellers by far. It's worse work than working directly with sellers if you have to basically build your own team. Here's the other little constituent that is basically reinforcing you guys having teams. And this is the one that, frankly, gets under my skin the most. It is all the companies that are selling agents stuff. And selling agents stuff uh, since 2007 has become a multi-billion dollar a year industry. Before 2007, i.e. Zillow, it, re it was a small business, really, overall. There were people selling CRMs. There were people selling postcards. You know, a little coaching wasn't – now, as soon as 2007 rolls around, Zillow basically spins off all these other – I mean, directly and indirectly, all these other companies that start forming the companies to manage this. And there's the predictive – you know, the guys like SmartZipper trying to somehow, you know, mystically through their witchcraft and alchemy predict basically who's going to go about wanting to sell in your neighborhood. All these droves and droves and droves and droves of companies. They have to sell to you the idea that you need a team because otherwise they won't have a product to sell. That's the reason that, for example, you have people who are buying leads from Zillow. A lot of times they have teams, and the teams are full of buyer agents, and the buyer agents are like pissed off hungry birds that are constantly looking for buyer leads. And you have all these other types of companies that are all designed around selling you some kind of product that's supposed to reinforce you having a team. They're not even really interested in dealing with individual agents. They all want to focus on the team. And so they want to get you guys focused on the team. They want to get you guys spending money uh, blindly many, many times without expecting it, without uh, demanding a real uh, provable, accountable result to what you're buying because then you keep them in business. And then more businesses start and more businesses start. And, okay, where's all this start? Where's all this stop? Stop's the same place it did back in 06 and 07. Those of you who have been with us since 1998, you know what I'm talking about. We, Julie and I have coached through three recessions. The last one was a total shit show, but here's what I'm telling you guys. That's when all those teams blow up. That's when all the, uh, the companies that sell leads to agents blows up. All the leads that agents sell, think of all the companies that are selling stuff to somehow magically, uh, you know, basically uh, communicate with the leads that you're buying and all the lead follow-up companies now that are spawned and all the postcards and all the branding. All that stuff comes to an end when the economy slows down. Almost like magic. You won't hear from those companies anymore. But here's the reason. And, and look, they're, that's fine. They're not my concern. What my concern is the brokerages and the individual agents who will be screwed when that happens. We have seen this happen, and I'm not going to get emotional, but we have seen it happen more than once where people we know and love have basically, uh, you know, th their lives have been ruined. We've known people that have committed suicide. We've known people who have had just absolute horrible things happen to them as a result of the fact basically we're following these big team models they had ridiculous overhead oh hold on tim when the economy slows down i'm going to be able to pull back on the reins and the spending no you won't it'll happen too fast it always does and then you'll be sucked under your personal savings will be gone you'll lose everything that you've worked for assuming that you've been able to save any money from the last you know 11 years of run-up which many of you haven't anyway even with the team 
So that's the reason that we hate teams, to be honest with you. It's because many of you are building these teams thinking that with more transactions you'll make more profit. You don't. More transactions just equals more transactions. So why do you do it? Why are you doing it? Here's the answer, your ego. And I get it. And because you're, you, you basically are constantly reinforcing the idea that that's what you're supposed to be doing. Hold on, Tim. I read a book. I went to a guru. I heard a coach. I, everyone says you are just reinforcing the decision you already made. It's called confirmation bias. You're not opening your mind to the fact that maybe you've spent a lot of time. You're not like the guy in San Diego who had the balls to basically say I made a bad decision on our podcast in front of 170,000 agents. I respect that. You know, but I'll tell you what I respect even more is how he not made that mistake in the first place. It's what Warren Buffett said. Warren Buffett said our country celebrates, uh, you know, the comeback story too much. You know, somebody makes a lot of money, has a lot of success, and loses it all and then builds it back up. Warren Buffett said that's interesting that we celebrate that guy, but shouldn't we be celebrating the guy that never basically lost it all in the first place after he gained it? I thought that was kind of ironic and true. So, look, guys, the bottom line is, is when Julie and I, our stance on teams is this. Uh, and staff is this. You have to be running a wildly profitable business, and with that profit, you reinvest it, and that's how you become rich. Rich is where your money works for you, and you no longer work for your money. The team thing has been proven since the mid-'90s to be a very unprofitable model, and in the last 10 years, it's gotten a 1,000 times worse because so many of you basically have thought, uh, okay, well, I'll do expansion teams. I'll add more overhead. I'll add more buyer's agent staff. And right now, I promise you, listeners, some of you are hearing this for the first time, never been, maybe you don't even know anything about the whole team you know, movement, and some of you are so spitting mad at me that you're going to send me a nasty email because I'm right now, I'm confronting something that's almost so close to your heart, it's like religion. Isn't that interesting? So here's what I'm going to challenge all of you to do. I want you to really ask yourself why you're in this business. Are you in this business just because you want to stand up on stage and have people applaud because you sold a bazillion houses? Some of you, that is your payoff. The ego gratification of having strangers think that you're a deity, that is why you're in the business. I get it. Okay? I'm not judging. Well, yes, I am, but I won't judge you for the sake of this podcast. So, but for the rest of you, who, and this is the majority of you, you start following these fool's errands as far as business plans, and the next thing you know, you're forming a team. Where's the profit? Where's the profit? Where's the profit? Now, I'm going to tell you guys the truth. And Julie and I were just talking about this two days ago. Okay, so Julie and I were having a little conversation similar to this because we're working on our new book. The new cover design has been done, and we're talking about this whole thing. And we're wondering to this day why we're the only ones saying what we're saying. And Julie and I were talking about how disappointed we were. Again, I'm about to sound offensive to some of you. When we finally became Howard Britton stars, and then Julie and I started getting invited to these super exclusive VIP Howard Britton events at these super exclusive, very expensive Ritz-Carlton areas around the world, really. And there'd be, at the time, there were only 40 of us, maybe 45 Howard stars. Being a Howard star back in the day was, there was nothing that was more prestigious than being a Howard Britton star. Nothing came close. And I remember, you know, Julie and I became Howard Britton stars pretty early in our careers because we had a lot of success early in our careers. In our early 20s, we sold over 100 houses our first year, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that was a long time ago. Julie and I are now in our late 40s. But here's the moral of the story. We went to these Howard Britton things. We thought we were going to be in these rooms with these people that were going to give us the secrets to the kingdom. We thought they were going to give us the secret playbook on how we can actually be rich. And they didn't. They didn't. 
That's Howard's environment is where this whole team thing really started to manifest. All the people that were at Keller Williams, Diana, Tony, they were all part of that group. We knew them way back then. They're the ones that, matter of fact, Diana was key in helping Howard create his whole team structure that he then taught. So the whole team model has been around since the 90s. But here's what we discovered. Very rarely was there ever any conversations about profit. And the more we got to know those people, and I apologize this is offensive, but we discovered quickly that very, very few of them were rich. They were people that were working for a living, had very nice, nice lifestyles. They knew nothing. They really, I, with maybe two exceptions, they were doing virtually nothing to actually increase their net worth. Their focus was on the accolades of the awards and getting the transactions and bragging about the billions of houses that they sold. Now, some of them, as they've gotten older, they have shifted priority and realized that that was silliness. But now we have this whole new generation, you listeners, most of you, who are following that same path, thinking that it's all new and novel. Just because somebody's telling you, oh, you've got to form a team, you follow blindly. You don't stop to think that maybe this path has already been passed over before by thousands of people and know that it's silliness. So do we hate teams? No, we don't hate teams. Of course you need staff if you're going to scale your business. We hate unprofitable businesses. When you have a choice of running a business with profit or without profit, why wouldn't you run it with profit? Please, now that at least I've planted this bitter seed in some of your minds, I, you have the absolute 100%. You have no choice but to at least take into consideration what I'm saying is being valid. Do your own homework. You go on Google right now and you try to find real research that's been done about the amount of profit that teams make. Okay? All of the research that I'm telling you, all the numbers I'm telling you aren't just based on our own personal experience. They're based on people that have bought and sold teams before. They're people that have actually looked at the numbers before. They're people that have owned teams before. This is not bullshit that I'm giving you. I'm giving you the truth. I have no – look, guys, if you want – what do we do? We sell coaching and training, right? We probably would have a much bigger coaching and training business if we told you that do a te form teams because it, we'd just be essentially in that we'd be flowing with the current zeitgeist. But the reason we don't do stuff like that is because it's dishonest. I'll tell you what's more. If Julie, it's dishonest because we, we, we see this other perspective. If Julie and I were to start being big, form a big team, add a bunch of buyer agents, we would have a billion sponsors coming to our door that are wanting technology companies, that are wanting us to basically say their widget is what teams need. That's what our competitors do. They can't give you a pure message like we do because they're beholden to their sponsors and to their advertisers and to the people that are helping you pay for their events. We aren't. That's the reason that we can say what we can say without pissing anybody off, right? Our interest, our focus is always on the individual agent and the individual brokerage. I have to say, though, I'm seeing some big brokerages that are coming around to realizing that their business is not selling houses, but their business is basically taking care of agents. I'm thinking of excellent companies like Elite Pacific in Hawaii, one of the best-run brokerages in the country I've ever seen. I'm thinking about – I mean, there's other things. I'm, I'm hearing great things about EXP. I'm hearing great things about a lot of companies that are saying, look, we need to focus on what's best for the agents, stronger, smarter agents – are going to basically weather any sort of financial storms. So please, guys, and here, here's really the bottom line. For a team, I want you to think about this, for a team to net a million dollars, they have to generate at least $10 million in revenue for the team leader to make a million dollars. 
I'll even make it easier. For a, for a team leader in most modern teams to make $200,000, they have to make a million dollars in commission. Okay, So for them to make $200,000 before they pay taxes in their own personal overhead, they have to make a million dollars in commission. On average, that's the number. And realistically, according to a couple of the people that we've interviewed, they said that for every million that a team earns, the team leader actually only makes about 120 to 150,000. That's based on other people's research, not mine. But I like to inflate it a little bit, just so I'm a little bit conservative. So let's just say 200 grand. That's an agent uh, selling, say. $300,000 or $325,000, maybe even $275,000 if they're smart the way they run their business and they're proactive with their lead generation, they'll net the same amount as the team leader. Okay? If they're focused on listings, they'll even work less and they'll have less liability and they'll be more situated depending, no matter what the economy does. You guys get the point? It just doesn't make any sense. There's no profit there. It's silliness. It's goofiness. It's ego. Julie, <laughs> anything you want to say? That was a pretty good ramp up to my points. So, yeah, yeah. it was. And Let's go for the first three. So it's because there's well, there's example after example of this. This is you know not speculation. Well, you know, Fact. dude, so. listen, you know, you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I don't like to talk about this because I'm always on the edge of you know when I think about things that do, being emotional. But we personally knew guys at least five people that committed suicide as a result of the last recession. Killed themselves. Yeah, because because even, basically, here's the difference, Tim. I think that agents that did live through that have this weird sense that they're going to be able to predict it this time and we'll be in front oh, of, of it this time. And yeah. I don't think that's true. Nobody came close to predicting it last time, you know, so you will not, to your point, you will not be able to move quickly enough to end the overhead. It will, what does it take on an 8% profit? That's like maybe one or two crappy months. Maybe. So you you, be able to move Julie, that fast. you remember, who was the guy? The guy we interviewed, the Real Trends guy. Was that who it was? The Real Trends guy. Do you remember his name? I, think I need to tell these guys. So they, uh, you know what? Go know, ahead with your points. I'm going to do some homework. I'm going to, I'm gonna, yeah, I know. I'm going to find it on our website, and then and I'll tell these okay. guys the podcast to listen to. Um, and this guy, yeah, by the way, guys, great. is the number one. This guy's the number one guy in the country that I think it was Real Trends that does um, mergers and acquisitions for brokerages. In other words, he basically is the middleman for selling. Uh, real estate brokerages, Steve Murray, I found it. Okay, it's on our website. It says, Podcast Steve Murray, The Real Truth About Teams from uh, Real Trend CEO, Steve Murray. Okay, so Steve wasn't expecting me to ask the questions about the net on the podcast that I just shared with you. He and I did talk about it prior to the podcast, and I could tell when I asked him the question, he actually seemed relieved to finally have someone ask him the truth question about how shitty net profit is to brokerages and teams. Okay, so uh, listen to that podcast. It's on our website. Again, just, you guys can just put in the name Steve Murray, but it's called Steve Murray, The Real Truth About Teams from Real Trends CEO. Listen to that. That's not me. That's a guy that basically he reinforced everything that all of our anecdotal, mostly research that we'd done and all the people we had talked to. He just reinforced it with some actual facts. This guy literally was the guy that goes in and like he'd, he'd been involved in a few team sales and some brokerage sales. He goes and looks you know, underneath the hood and sees the true real numbers and evaluates the companies for the sake of a sale. And so when you guys listen to that, for those of you who want to argue with me about the profitability of teams, or I know there's some big ego people out there with big teams they are going to tell me I'm so wrong and how they make 50% net profit. No, you don't. You don't. 
Nobody who has a big team does. Unless Chris Heller, our friend who used to be the CEO of Keller Williams, his team probably had one of the best margins in the country because he made them all prospect. <laughs> he didn't buy leads. All right, so Julie, anyway, let's get through our first couple points. That is a good side point. Okay, so why specifically do teams fail? Well, the fact is nobody plans to fail, but many fail to plan. So whether you're on a team or running a team, check yourself on these top reasons. Number one, no lead generation, poor lead generation, inconsistent or unpredictable lead generation. Nothing happens without leads. A team is not viable without consistent listing inventory. Magic number, this is something you have in your treasure map. How many listings must you have at all times to meet or achieve your own income goals? Well, we have news for you. That number is a lot bigger when it's not just your income goals, when you're feeding those baby birds on your team. So, I mean, really, you could just say not even knowing your magic number is one reason teams fail. Point number two, the team leader doesn't personally have the skills, systems, or scripts mastered, which they're attempting to delegate to team members. Now, the delegation is easy enough. The accountability is where it comes in very difficult. Really hard to hold somebody accountable if you haven't done it yourself or you haven't done it at a very high level. That's where you start believing when buyer agents say, all oh, the leads suck, or you know, it's just too slow time of year and what you're giving me isn't closable. Well, how would you know the difference if you haven't actually worked it at a high level? Point number three, team leader is not just delegating but obfuscating, not following through, actually confusing things instead of clarifying. And this comes from the idea that you can just delegate it and walk away and all the money will come in. There's no delegate and walk away and just sit on the beach while the closings happen. Of course you have to be involved, but the belief is that build your team big enough, you make the right hires, and now you don't have to do anything. I want to hover there, Tim, and give it back to you so I can get to Premier because these are already three pretty big points. Back to you. Well, the last point, Julie, was delegate, don't obfuscate. But here's the, the truth. It's an old Ronald Reagan quote, you know, trust but verify. That's all kind of in the same realm of management style. That's the problem when you have a team. There's no amount of software. There's no amount of any kind of oversight you can have where it's going to make it so that you're basically – you can be an absentee landlord. It just doesn't exist. The smartest real estate people that I've ever coached, that I've ever come across, were people that had a small – you know, two and three, you know, they basically had staff. They had somebody to manage the sellers. They maybe had someone to manage transactions, and they maybe had someone to run around and take care of signs and lock boxes and other Mickey Mouse. Some of you guys are blessed that you have brokerages that do all that for you, so you don't even need any staff. And what they would do is they, as Julie said, would know what their magic number of listings is that they had at all times, 5, 10, 20, whatever it was, and they would, their whole job, they wouldn't work with buyers. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right now. They would not work with buyers. If it was a buyer, a buyer of a house they had for sale, they would still refer it off. Why? Because they didn't have to. You guys, the first things you give up, as soon as you have enough listing inventory, you're buyers. Why? Because they're too expensive to work with in most, time, in most cases. Not in the sense that you have to buy the lead. Let's just say these are leads that come from your sellers. These are uh, buyers take away your nights and your weekends. Buyers are the reason you get burned out on real estate. Buyers are the reason that your family wonders if you even remember their names. Buyers are the reasons that you have to sacrifice too much and you are, you know, basically you're, you're attracted to the idea of having, you know, some guru tell you how to have life balance. It's because the buyers have sucked all your life energy away. That's why. So the smartest, most profitable folks we've ever coached will have, you know, just listings as their focus. And I had a coaching call this morning with one of a great client, name, first name of Mike, last name I won't tell you. 
and his wife, brilliant gal, who he also used to coach, and they used to live in a different state. They moved out west of California. He's got an incredibly well-paying, great, you know, phenomenal job at a company. Um, he's not directly in re- he's not in residential real estate in the sense that many of you guys are. Doesn't matter. Details don't matter. Wife wants to get back into the in working mode, getting a real estate license, and you know they're looking at the different options. And I said the best business model she could possibly have. They live in an area where the average sale price would be at least a million and a half. As I said, just focus on having five listings at once. Automatically, she'll have probably two of those in contracts at all times. Even if with a not great split and whatever, whatever, she'll still make at least fifty, sixty thousand dollars a month if she had two of those sell per month based on a million and a half uh, per unit, right? How's that not a perfect business model? Why aren't all of you copying that? I know why, because you guys don't know how to be listing agents. Because you guys don't know how to act. No one's told you the truth about teams. No one's told you the truth except us about branding and marketing and buying buyer leads and all this other Mickey Mouse that you guys are seduced by. No one's told you how simple and elegant the real estate industry can be if you give yourself permission to let it be simple and elegant. And don't let your ego get into the way of, and allow it to be more complicated. Don't be seduced by the fact that this business is supposed to be some sort of manifestation of your creative outlet. It's not. Don't think of it like that. You're in this business to provide service to other people. You're in this business, in this industry, to be of service to other people. The way you do that at the highest levels as a listing agent, the way you learn to be a powerful listing agent is you live by the mantra of doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. When you do that consistently, guys, you are not just going to have a good lifestyle. You're going to have an amazing life. You're going to be able to provide an amazing life for everyone you know and everyone you love. Find fault in what we just talked with you about in the last 30 minutes, I challenge you. There isn't any. Julie and I have researched this. We're experts at this. We know what we're talking about. I am hoping that none of you were so turned off that you didn't, because maybe we came off or I came off too strong. I'm hoping that I've helped some of you from avoid the path of pain and anguish that we have seen so many experienced by following false prophets. I hope that those of you who are in that mode now, listen to what I said about the changing economy, and you get your head screwed on straight, and you ask yourself, why the hell am I doing this? You know, some of you guys have been seduced by the fact that you got into real estate because you're supposed to provide a, a team, and the team is supposed to be about your culture, and you're supposed to be provided, you know, you're supposed to be a, a business person. You're all heads all screwed on crooked because you've been believing all these mythical things about how real estate and owning your own business is some sort of social cause and how it's all – you're not making any profit. You're going to be hurt when the recession rolls around, and you're going to resent and regret not having made smart decisions that took better care of you and your family. I've seen it happen before. I, I will not be able to ever, and Julie either, hold ourselves back from telling you guys the truth, even if it is slightly offensive to some of you, because you see these things as such sacred cows. I ask you to give yourself permission to be better prepared financially so when the recession rolls around, you're running an incredibly profitable business, you guys can start picking up properties. We've had, we had droves of clients that did that, droves of clients that became multimillionaires as a result of the last recession because they were running uh, very, very profitable businesses and they had cash flow. You will not have – if you're running a big, uh, a big expensive business with very little profit and that profit starts to erode and your overhead doesn't shrink and you start to basically produce less and less net profit to yourself, nobody's going to loan you money. 
Nobody's going to give you a mortgage. During the last recession, the first people the lenders cut off were anybody in the real estate business. Ask around if you weren't in the business. That's what they did. They literally they, we had coaching clients. We knew people in the real estate industry who were basically flipping houses using credit lines in their main houses. And did you know the banks can take those credit lines away? Did you know the banks can reduce those credit lines? And that's what we saw. We saw Bank of America do it first in California. Uh, we had agents and clients and people doing flips, thought they had basically the world figured out. You know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in these credit lines all went away within like a week. Bank of America said, nope, and they took that money back. Your credit line went from basically, you know, five hundred thousand dollars because that's the equity you had against your house. You know, your essentially it was a credit line against your house, and then they reduced it to whatever the unpaid balance was. And if you had no unpaid balance, then they reduced it to zero. That will all happen again. It's been a long time. Some of you didn't experience it. Some of you weren't in the business. Some of you have forgotten. Not all of you have forgotten because it was incredibly painful. It's going to happen again. Of course it will. Are you prepared? Are you going to listen to us? Are you going to be like one of the agents last time after the wheels came off the wagon? Then you call us and say, Tim and Julie, I should have listened to you guys. What the hell am I going to do now? We told you. We've given you the truth. Listen to our past podcasts. Read our book. Consider becoming a coaching client. So, again, there you go, guys. Every podcast is going to be this intense, if not more so. If you need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. If there's anything we could ever do for you, Please do consider reaching out. We're obviously going to finish up Julie's seven points tomorrow. Oh, there you go. Have a great day, guys. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time... Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.